time to cover all things Catholic in the heart of South and Central Texas. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network, get ready to rise and walk with Richard and Julie Reyna. And folks, we are back with more Rise and Walk here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And uh, looking forward to today's show as we go across uh, how many stations? Five stations in the South and Central Texas in the Guadalupe Radio Network. And uh, actually, things have changed just a little bit today. Um, I'm, I'm going to be co-hosted with Father Ed Hoff uh, of the Oblates of Mary Immaculate. Uh, Julie had something she needed to take care of. So I guess I'm flying solo, but I'm not because I have Father Ed. And, you know, we usually have Father Ed first Monday of the month. And he's actually wasn't able to be here these past two months, but we got him back and looking forward to it. Father Ed, I'm glad you're here. Me glad to be here, too. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get praying right away right. Um, so I can share with you few things and i'd love to get your thoughts um uh, about that but i want to jump into it and today being the feast of saint faustina of course uh, blessed francis xavier silos and of course preparing for uh, the wonderful uh, feast of our lady of victory or lady of the, uh, the rosary or the most holy rosary on wednesday so will you please pray with us in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen and i pray that you all know this one as well saint michael the archangel defend, defend us, us in battle, battle. Be our protection protection against against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. St. Anthony de Padua, Pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Father, uh, this past weekend on Sunday, I'm going to go back backwards, uh, was the life chain here in San Antonio. And I think it was, wow, the 30, 33rd, hope I might be getting that wrong, but I know when it first started here in San Antonio, it was along San Pedro Avenue from 410 all the way down to Hildebrand. Ooh. And with people just out there with their signs or, and praying for an end to abortion, um, and uh, it was a good group yesterday. I didn't drive it to see how far it was, but it seemed like the largest group I had Praise ever God. seen. Praise God. Yeah, it was pretty neat. That I went out there with my son Elijah, and we were able to pray all the mysteries of the rosary. Uh, so, so we prayed several rosaries. And uh, yeah, we, we got a, people, a couple of people waving to us with their finger, but that's okay. We, <laughs> we prayed for them even more. So thank you, Lord, for making them uh, uh, evident to us who we need to be praying for. <laughs> um, but of course, I know I already gave it away. You are our segment uh, all for the show today. Uh, Father Ed Hoff, um, a parochial vicar, do I say it that way, mm-hmm. of St. Mary Magdalene? I'm mean, sorry, no. St. Mary's downtown. Right. Um, I want to talk about uh, the Feast of St. Faustina. Of course, today is also Blessed Francis Xavier Silos' feast day. Um, I know I said Our Lady of Victories on the 7th, um, but I think the name is now changed to Feast of the Holy Rosary. Um, and, and all kinds of things, Battle of Ponto, just wonderful, wonderful things that are going to be on today's show. Um, but I also want to touch on this past Saturday, we were, we were uh, blessed to, to be at a wedding ceremony, uh, a mass, I, mean, I need to say it the right way, uh, celebrated there at the, the National Shrine of the Basilica of the Little Flower Parish uh, here in town uh, for mi- now Mr. Alexander and Aurelia Chung. Uh, but it was, we've never been to him before. The, the Mass was the Mass in the extraordinary form, the Latin Mass. And it was quite beautiful. I mean, uh, what I loved about it as well is the, the program, I guess you can call it that, the booklet that they gave us, had everything all laid out. The prayers in Latin and in English that the priest was praying, our response, responses, of course, just it was well 
uh, put together. And uh, I just I love learning more about mass and the extraordinary form. And if I'm not mistaken, when you were a child, you attended that that mass. But did you ever celebrate that as as a priest, Father? Well, uh, I was ordained right at the end of Vatican II. Oh, okay, gotcha. So I did, we celebrated Mass in Latin from the time that I was ordained on 31st of May until the first Sunday of Advent, which would have been in November, early November that year. So about six months. But it was in the new form. Oh, It wasn't gotcha. in the extraordinary form. Gotcha. Because uh, uh, Paul VI had put out the form. So it was in Latin, but it was similar to the way we say Mass that I face gotcha. people. Uh, but it was all in Latin. Because I was used to that because yeah, right. most of our classes in Latin were in Latin. Our textbooks were all in Latin. So, wow. Uh, wow. Our lectures were in Latin. So, you know, we got used to having to write exams in Latin and all of this rest. But at any rate, it, yeah, it was beautiful. And I, of course, served Mass for years and years and years, from fourth grade until I entered the seminary. Uh, at least even in the junior seminary, when I was home in the summers, I still at my parish. And... Um, that was all the extraordinary form. Wow. Well, it wasn't extraordinary then, but it no, was no, no, it was the ordinary form, so <laughs> right. I got you. Um, you know, today, you know, we were talking about uh, the different feast days today and what's coming up, and there are so many things we want to talk about. Uh, but, I, you know, we were blessed many years ago to receive a first-class relic of Blessed Francis Xavier mm-hmm. Silos. And you mentioned him today, and I, I always forget that today he shares the feast day with St. Faustina right. as well. Um, and then you told me some, a few more things about him, and like, wow, you know, even if it's just a small segment, tell us a little bit about... Well, first of all, he's, he is an American by birth. He was born in Bavaria, the oh, southern part of Germany, yes. where my family comes from. Uh, he was um, uh, interested in the work of the Redemptress. So he joined the Redemptress community in Germany. They were German order, and it, well, no. not exactly, because <laughs> they were founded by uh, uh, Saint um, Alphonsus oh, yes. Gregory. Yeah. So, at any rate, he um, came to the United States before he was ordained, because he heard there was a big German community in Pennsylvania, which is why I was stationed for a while too, right in the oh, middle wow. of that community. And so he was uh, in Pittsburgh for a while uh, there, and then. And that uh, parish that he was he was ordained and pastored the parish. No, he was no? Uh, he was assistant in the parish. Oh, Saint Philomena was it the parish name. The pastor was <laughs> the famous, the infamous Father uh, Saint John Newman. Oh no! Wow. Before he became the Archbishop of Philadelphia, and um, oh, great, I have a great devotion to him. I wrote wow. Life of Him one time when, when I was in the seminary. At any rate, um, and so that eventually he. Uh, Work became novice master for the Redemptorist and then director of some seminary. And I was ordained, I think, in 1844, if I'm correct, um, and assigned, as I said, to St. Philomena's Parish in Pittsburgh, uh, where St. John Newman was pastor at the wow. time. Of course, he wasn't See, saint at the time. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. beautiful. And then, of course, he went through these other relationships, too. And then he was assigned uh, later on to a parish in New Orleans, um, which was, um, I think it's the or Lady of the Assumption, I'm pretty sure is, okay. is the name. Because I was there a few years ago and I visited his tomb and all of that, and all of his relics and they were all there. And as he was traveling, it's just an interesting story, as he was traveling down there on the train from Philadelphia area down to, to uh, New Orleans, some nuns got on the train at some point, and so they struck up a conversation. He saw his collar, so, and he said, uh, he said, where are you going, Father? He said, well, I've just been reassigned to New Orleans, so I'm going down there to die. 
Oh, going down and they there kind of looked die. at him and said, really? Whoa. He said, well, if it's God's will, uh, because New Orleans at that time was loaded with yellow fever. Oh. They had a pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic of yellow fever. Right. Oh, my. So he, had that, he was in that situation. And sure enough, well, he was out serving the people in that parish and taking care of the sick. He contracted the uh, yellow fever and passed away. Wow. And so it was you know, one of those things where... Um, it was, you know, just a tremendous ability to kind of know the future, I guess, you know. But at any rate, uh, great feat. And we consider him kind of an American saint today because he spent all of his priesthood here in America yeah. as a missionary. And so, uh, and we have a parish not terribly far from there in New Orleans. So when I was down there giving a novena a few years ago, I, they took me over there and I asked. Uh-huh. So I brought some of his oil back. And you have first class relic, you said. Wow. So he's beatified now. He's one step away from Canada. Gotcha. Now we do have the, I think if I'm not mistaken, the, by St. Alphonse Liguria, the Redemptorist, we have a formation house here in San Antonio. I think I've got that right. I think there's 15 or 16 seminarians there. Okay, so, good. I wasn't uh, sure. I know they have Redemptorist here, but I wasn't sure if there was a yeah, yeah. formation house, which is really good. But he, uh, he worked in many different places, but always with the same zeal to help the poor. You know, to help the poor. And Love the, it. In this case, the people who were sick. And, and died of the pandemic. So wow. <laughs> he's a martyr. So he's a saint for our times. <laughs> Even though uh, we don't wear red vestments, we wear white uh, vestments for his feast day, but nevertheless, he was a martyr to love. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going down there to die. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, I need he to just, learn more about just, him. He just knew that that was yeah. probably going to happen. You know? Reminds me of St. Damon of Molokai. And he was fine with yeah, yeah. He did the same thing, actually. <laughs> but he was, he was fine with it, whatever God's will was. And you, when you go down there, they have a beautiful, huge, big room in the back of the basilica where you can see all the his rosaries and his prayer books and all the stuff that he has. All of that. We need to go out there. We need to plan a trip for that. Um, but shifting gears just a little bit, uh, you know, today's also the Feast of St. Faustina. Right. Uh, many people know of her. In fact, I'm wearing you know, something, uh, a little medal of divine mercy here as well. Uh, a little bit about her life because, you know, they have the, we have the diary of St. Faustina uh, many people are very devoted to the Divine Mercy. St. <clears throat> John Paul uh, declared the Sunday after Easter Sunday uh, to be celebrated the Feast of Divine Mercy. But yeah. I also understand that every Sunday is, is, is Divine Mercy. Oh, sure. And he's the one who or, uh, canonized her as the first saint of the 20th century, 21st century. Oh, that's cool. I didn't first, know that. First saint canonized in the 20th century was Faustina. Because of John Paul, of course. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, St. John Paul now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was born uh, Helena uh, um, Kowalska in uh, kind of the central part of Poland, I think. Um, I think the name of the place was Gogowicz uh, oh. in Poland. And uh, she, uh, which was kind of northwest uh, of, of Lodz, uh, which is a famous Polish city, she was born August 25th of uh, 18, uh, 1905. She was born exactly five years before my father. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, she was born in 1905. Uh, she was the third of ten children in a very religious family. And uh, she felt a calling when she was seven years old to go to the convent. And so when she got of age and uh, finished as much schooling as she was able to do at that point, she wanted to go, but her parents forbade her. But I think they were very poor, so she had to go out and work, and so she took a job as a uh, housekeeper. Oh, that's right, that's so she right. She to work housekeeping and things like that for a while. And um, so one day she went to a dance with her sister, her older sister, Katrina. And while they were there, Jesus spoke to her, and she 
left and went right down to the uh, St. James Church in that particular city. And while she was there, the Lord spoke to her even more clearly and said to her, you are to leave tomorrow and go directly to Warsaw and enter the convent. Wow. Didn't tell her what, she just said convent. So she did, packed her bags the next morning and went to Warsaw and uh, went to every convent she could find. She went into the church there in, in Warsaw. I think it was St. James Church. and was, was uh, praying there. And the Lord filled her in even more. I'm going to make you a secretary to me of divine mercy. Wow. So she went from convent to convent and nobody would take her. She, she, she was kind of disheveled looking, I think, because the they were very poor and she didn't have any nice clothes or, and the poverty and stuff and the sisters trying to figure out. You know, in those days you had to have a dowry to get into the convent, you know. They, you had to do that, you had to pay a dowry to get in. So, <laughs> wow. You know, because you're going to get married, you know, right. so in a sense to God, but you have to have a dowry. So she had practically nothing. So all the convents turned her down except one and it was the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy. Oh. So she entered into that convent, and they took her on the condition that she would pay for her own habit. Wow. <laughs> today, Back to that, working again. Today, that's unheard of. Yeah, so she went out <laughs> and continued to do housekeeping, and she kept money aside. And when she saved some money each time, she sent it to the convent in, in down payment you know, for her habit. So when she finally got all paid, she entered. <laughs> and uh, so you know, she then took the habit and became... Uh, sister of, uh, and she took the name uh, Maria Faustina of the Most Blessed Sacrament. Wow, that's that was beautiful. Name, yeah. What better name can you have, you know? Uh, St. Teresa was of the child Jesus and the Holy Face, you know, it's, it's yeah. always about Jesus. <clears throat> but anyway, as we all know what happened after that, that she began to get visions from the Lord. The main vision, I think, happened on, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the date, it was. Uh, February 22nd of 1931, when the Lord actually appeared to her as Divine Mercy, the pictures that you see. Oh, gotcha. Uh, with, uh, you know, the two rays coming out of his heart, the red ray representing his blood, the pale ray representing the water, you know, blood of water, which gushed forth of the heart of Jesus, you know, which is part of that prayer now for Divine Mercy. And uh, he told her what he wanted her to do, and he told her to keep uh, a diary or to write down what, things that he shared with her, which she did in kind of a notebook form. And uh, eventually she got transferred to a different community, uh, and there she ran, the, the, the priest who was appointed to be the uh, spiritual director or the confessor for that particular community, uh, when she told him about her visions, he didn't know whether to believe it or not, so he insisted with the Mother Superior that she be sent for psychiatric. Evaluation. Oh wow! And she did, uh, Father Sopopko. You know, oh yes. And so she did, and she passed all the the tests. So then he he was behind her solidly. So he is the one. When Jesus told her to have a picture painted of the image of a vision, she didn't know any painters, but Father Sopopko did. So he was the one who got uh, that uh, man who uh, was able to paint the very first picture of Faustina. Uh, his name was uh, Kazmierowski. Oh, well, I grew up in a Polish neighborhood. I, I don't know say, Polish, but I can pronounce, I can I pronounce could, that. I can pronounce the words. <laughs> <laughs> Every family on the street was Polish except us. We were German because we were there first, you know, <laughs> literally. Yeah. So father, uh, the, the painter was named Kazmierowski. Wow. If you look at the way it's spelled, but anyway, 
He painted the original one that we see in the picture. That comes from the Vilnius image. I was going to say, there yeah. were several versions of it. And uh, she looked, took one look at it and was really upset. It was not at all like what Jesus looked like. Uh, what you, so she took it back to him. I don't know how many times he'd fixed up this or fixed up that, no matter what he did. <laughs> so finally Jesus said to her, leave it alone. It's all right the way it is. And you know, when they took the picture and put it up against the Shroud of Turin. It matches oh, point for point for That's point right, for point. the Shroud of Turin. I remember, I, I love hearing the connection between the Shroud of Turin and the image of Divine Mercy, this specific image, right. and how they match because up the face so matches well. exactly, point for point, nose, eyes, everything. Not necessarily what he looked like, but that, that at least you know matched. <clears throat> so with that, uh, things began to spread. Uh, the very first of holy pictures of that um, came out in... Uh, 1938, about two months before I was born. <laughs> but it's again right before the Second World War. And the Lord wanted everyone to know his mercy. So she started in Poland. And strangely enough, we think of Poland today as a super Catholic country, which it is. But in those days, there were more abortions in Warsaw than in the rest of the mm-hmm. world combined. So he wanted the people to know his mercy was still available, even through all of that. And he knew the World War was coming. World War started in 42, so we're only, you know, 41 actually, but we're big time in 42, so we're only three years before that. So the mm-hmm. sisters then began to, to disseminate the information. They sent things to all over them, wherever they could, to their convents, wherever they had them, and then they would disseminate from there. They would stand on the street with pictures of the Divine Mercy, with the prayer of Divine Mercy on the back, handing them to people as they would go <laughs> by and, and getting ready for the war because yeah. the people were going to need it because, you know, Poland got bombed. Uh, by Germany like crazy. Now, I, I forget the timeline because, you know, this diary that, that she wrote down and put the words down, I think her, her if I get it correctly, her spiritual director you know, went on a vacation or took some time off or whatever, and when he came back, sometime between when he left and she came and he came back, uh, an angel of light had appeared to her and convinced her to burn her diary. Well, we, I, I think we understand now that that wasn't Not a an true angel, angel of light. Of light. No, it was, no. it was uh, Satan. Because he knew that that would destroy his kingdom. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and I forget, was it Satan himself or just a demon? Or do well, we, probably, in either case, probably a demon, but nevertheless, under Satan's direction, I'm sure, to do just that, you know, to make sure that this message does not get out. Because <sighs> his name, as you know, in the book of Revelation, is the accuser of the brethren. And that's how he gets most people. He leads them into sin very quietly, because he's not, you know. His name is I am not because God's name is I am. <laughs> so he hides himself, and but he's in there and he's working. In fact, we'll talk about it a little bit later. I have a new program on that's gonna that's sharing all of this information about how Satan operates. And as a result of that, um, when he accuses you, he gets you to fall into sin, and then starts on you. You're terrible. You're awful. God can't never forgive you for that. God is you know. Uh, you, you've heard him, so may just as well give up. He'll, he'll never forgive you. And of course, we know exactly the opposite is the truth. And so that's why the Lord wanted this divine mercy spread to make sure that we understood that there's no sin that's not forgivable, nothing, right. except the sin of not asking for forgiveness, right. which is the sin against the Holy Spirit. And when you don't ask, you know, you're not going <laughs> to make any, uh, you're not going to repent of your sins or offer the Lord repentance or whatever then he can't forgive it because you haven't asked him. He's not going to force your free will. So the, the bottom line here is with him, with Satan, he wants to get you to give up. 
then he's got you, you know, and then he'll cause you to do things that'll hurt other people, which is, of course, what he's doing, especially in our nation right now, with a younger generation in particular. There's many wonderful, wonderful young people. You know many of them, I know, and I do too, who are very holy and very good, holier than I ever was at their age, for sure. (laughs) But uh, there's so many of them that are lost because Satan is into all of these things. The music that they listen to, he's rampant in all of that, most of it. Uh, I have a list of probably 100 names of different rock bands and stuff that were back in the 70s and 80s and so on that were all demonic. And and I'd worship Satan and put curses on their records as they sent them out, so you bring one into your house, your whole house is cursed. All this went on and on and on. And he's doing the same thing today. Um, Very subtly, I know we're getting off the track here just a little bit, but just, just slightly, but I was doing some research the other day for the TV program, and um, there's a new book out for children. It's a cartoony cover, oh. and the name of the book is "Children," uh, the children's book of demons. Mm. And inside the book are actual satanic curses that the kids can use against one another, and they work. Wow. It's like much of which was taken out of the Satanic Bible, you know, which is uh, Anton LaVey and that the whole crowd didn't put all that stuff together years ago, um, are used in the game Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And so people, they're role-playing, but it doesn't matter. They throw curses at other people. You're, yeah. your, you're beating your other opponent's personhood, you know, in the, in the game. I saw my nephew playing it many, many years ago, and I told him exactly what was going on, so he fortunately threw it in the campfire and burned it up. But there's all kinds of that stuff out there going on. So Satan is just to everything. Um, he uses much of the material and the, the backing of the Freemasons who are more satanic than Satanists, basically. And that's what's behind all of the stuff that's going on in our culture right now. It's behind Especially Antifa. right now, you know, back in the day mm-hmm. when <clears throat> Halloween was, was, was celebrated, you know, it wasn't anywhere close to the demonic images and costumes and you know mm-hmm. a couple of, I'm not going to say the store because I'm sure I get beat up for it but uh, I was at a store with my son Elijah we were getting something we needed to get and there was a dad with his two kids in their cart and he was right next to this gruesome figure that was mobile that was moving that was me- mechanized or whatever and he kept wheeling the cart that he had with his two kids into it and they were screaming their heads off and he was laughing and I'm like look at that Elijah Mm. That's what I'm. That's not right. And yeah. and 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 what's they're also becoming desensitized to it. So that's the key. You remember when early on, let's go to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or whatever. The witches were evil, mm-hmm. and good won over. Those are the early days of Walt Disney. But Walt Disney became a thirty-third degree Mason. Wow. So his later, you know, the witches were good, but they were really evil. Yeah. You know, so they appear good. And so the young generation bought into that. It's the same kind of thing with Harry Potter, you know, all of the stuff in there. It desensitizes to, the, the, to magic, to sorcery, to wizardry and all that, which is all part of. In fact, the next two shows that I'm going to be doing on television are on that very topic, not Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, because every time so Harry Potter comes up, people are like, oh, you're yeah. ridiculous, tell us that we, that we shouldn't be reading it. No. No, you shouldn't be reading it. No, absolutely not. It's terribly dangerous because it desensitizes and then the kids just think this is perfectly good, you know. And they and so then other things come along. They're in, open into it. Right. 
And we have all of the stuff with the Freemasons that are going on. To, they're the ones subsidizing financially Antifa, the Black Lives Matter organization, not right. innocent people going out and you know, having a right to protest and doing it peacefully. That, I have no problem with that. But the ones who are doing all the damage and stuff, that's all run by the Masons. The entire LGBTQ program is all under Masonic you know, money. Because their whole thing is to destroy. The, the god of, of the Masons, which is uh, Baphomet, is an androgynous figure. Wow. You know, with a goat's head, human body, female breasts, male phallus, and the two yep. um, tattoos on his arm, salve et coagulae, meaning to dissolve, get rid of all the undesirables, wow. and then rejoin it back into a wonderful order under the Antichrist. That's what's coming uh, in our culture. I mean, we can hopefully pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and hoping the Lord will help us. With it. I mean, he's always going to help us through it, but I mean, it's, it's on the way coming because it's all funded by them. Now, I know we've gotten off track here. I was going to say, where do we, how do we get off track? Well, the, the, the reason is because we're, we're dealing with all this stuff, and this is exactly what uh, the Lord knew was coming, and so he wanted St. Faustina to get this message oh, out yes. on divine mercy, to, that God's mercy is greater than any of our sins. There's nothing we have to be beaten up over. We all sin. The only human being ever that didn't sin was Mary. I was going to say, there's one. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe Joseph. I, <laughs> I, I, I believe Joseph was probably sinless through. Although there may be times he had some doubts about Mary for a little while, so maybe that was just slightly. But anyway, he was always obedient to the Lord. And so, I mean, he would, but I mean, by, other than that, we've all sinned. Every human being is wounded, and sin comes out of our woundedness. And that's where the demons hide, in the woundedness. I, I've taught for years that Satan is like a mushroom. He grows best in darkness and manure. Mm. And darkness is sin, and the manure is woundedness. And everyone is wounded. Wow. Everyone. We've been wounded in childhood. In fact, our, our first two programs, programs three and four in the series, were on how demons get into us, sometimes even in the womb, or they get into us at a very young age because of things that happen to us in our culture or things that just happen in our families. Yeah. You know, through abuse, through abandonment, through neglect, through uh, trauma, all kinds yep. of things yep. that they can come in. And, uh, you know, because it can be in an accident. Nobody's hurt terribly bad, but it scares the daylights out of the little one and boom, got a demon of, of trauma within them. Um, you have the same thing, you know, with the... Uh, Kid gets sick. I, mean, I remember my brother, when he was about eight years old, came down with low bar pneumonia. And he was in the hospital for almost a month. They're doing all kinds of things with it, run needles up through his, between his ribs and all of that. That had to be traumatic. And I look at him, he's a very holy and wonderful guy, but he went through difficulties in life that I'm sure now, as I look back on it, were fired by this, these demons that were, that were coming in. Because our parents were killed when he was nine and I was... Um, 14. So wow, uh, and so we were out, we all were in that trauma together. But then there's neglect, you know, where the parents don't take good care of the children, they're neglected, or there is abuse, whether it's physical abuse, verbal abuse, spiritual abuse, or sexual abuse, that will bring demons. So, so then how you know so much woundedness out there that people don't, most people I run into don't realize right. that they're wounded. Exactly. How, is there is there a process? So that they're you acting go by? out. They're acting out of the wounds, basically, right, right. and what they do. And if I can get them into the office and go through the, some tests with them, the different things that we do, and discover where the woundedness took place, and so we can get that healed and get those 
what we call generational curses out of them, it changes everything. Got it. Now, and that's where Faustina's mercy comes in. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that you're celebrating her feast day today, because what she has told us is the most powerful antidote to all of that. God forgives you and he loves you. He's unconditionally loving you and his mercy is unconditional. No matter if you were the biggest sinner ever in the history of mankind, one act of repentance from your heart cancels it all as if it never happened. Amen. That's mercy. That's God's love for us. And Satan cannot fight that. Yeah. He tries, though. <laughs> That's beautiful. You know, I, I, I love learning more about um, our faith and uh, have stumbled upon listening and watching more videos of Adam Bly. And, mm-hmm. and uh, he will share with you know, at different conferences, you know, what he's teaching you about uh, the spiritual battles that are out there and his participation, his assisting during uh, exorcisms. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that he learns, you know, there's not a book that contains these because if it got right. in the blade's hands, they would we'd freak out. Yeah. So a lot of things he shares is all experiential from right. his experiences. For people who don't know, Adam Bly is a layman. Yeah. He works out of uh, the Diocese of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> but he knows more about exorcism than most priests do. In fact, almost all priests do, <laughs> as I'm finding out. Um, but he also uh, has graduated from the exorcist school. Now, he can't be an exorcist because you need Correct. to have priesthood for that. But he advises priests and he helps them. And so we're hoping to bring him into San Antonio at some point to help us who are in that Amen. business here. Amen. We will continue to pray for that. Us that, are, that are working in yeah. that area. To have him do some training for us in case we need to do exorcism. Yeah, well, he made he made a comment one time uh, when I interviewed him. I said, "Tell me something that most people don't know." And he and he said, "Oh, sure, okay, I got a bunch of those." Mm-hmm. And he explained that when you, uh, hopefully, I'll say this right, and you'll correct me if I don't. When you go to confession, and you and you confess your sins, and you hear those words of absolution, when you walk out and you're forgiven your sins, and you walk out of the confessional, the demons do not remember the sins that you've been absolved from. Exactly. See if I can say that right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and, I, and we're like, whoa, how do you know that? And he explained, he goes, that for example, as I've assisted during exorcisms, uh, you know, one of the things that they do is they, they, they find out what the, the host, the person did to allow, because it's all about authority. Sure. What did the person do that allowed you, given you authority to come into them and possess them? Where the doors open. And so, I, so I'll say, so I always joke with people, you know, I don't care to need, I don't care to know your mortal sins, but let's say donuts were your mortal sins. So I'm going to use donuts. As, so somebody confesses, oh yeah, well I ate, you know, five million dozens of donuts. Really? Okay. Well, oh, oh no, the demon tells them, oh, they ate donuts, you know, whatever. He goes, okay, go away, demon Bob. Let me talk to Susie Q. And Susie Q comes back and, you know, the priest asks her, did you eat all these donuts or commit this mortal sin? Yes. Let's go to confession. The person goes to confession, hears those words of absolution, and says, okay, uh, Susie Q, go away. I want to talk to Demon Bob. The demon manifests himself again, and, and they ask, the priest asks, what did, you, what did Susie do for, for you to go inside her and give you authority? What are you talking about? No, what did she do for you to, to possess her? What do you mean? They can't remember. remember. Yeah. So therefore, when you walk out of the confessional, you're not at a, at a disadvantage for the demons to start throwing at you again. Well, let me tell you, that's why when we do even deliverance, which is very close to exorcism, if you do the deliverance, you won't need to do the exorcism. Because what you do is you're getting into healing up the wounds and then the demons can't have no place mm. to, to stay in, so they leave. I mean, we, we make sure they leave. We command right. them to leave. But if, it's, if they're not fully possessed, right. which means they have no personality, that hasn't been taken over. Every part of them is taken over. But that's very rare. We have parts that are taken over. So when we can get to the sins of that or find out what 
the wounds are and get those healed, then they have no they they reside in manure <laughs> and they can't you know it's like you you spray uh, your hands with uh, sanitizer and there's no more germs there you know because they can't live in that yeah. and the demons can't live with in in God's mercy and love either so they're gone once that happens you probably don't need to exercise right because they'll just come out of it unless so, they're, if they're already fully possessed then we have to do another process but. Yeah, so you share with me, you know, the, your calendar for the whole month of October is already full. I'm sure November is already getting full as well. But when anybody ever has any questions like that, and they, or they bring it to me, I always say, call Father Ed Hoff, call the parish, option three, leave a voicemail, he'll call you back. <laughs> Good for you. So I, I, I leave today's topic uh, on this uh, with that. By the that. way, if anybody's listening and they haven't gotten a return call yet, so, please forgive sorry. me, but <laughs> my, my day is beyond crazy. crazy so i got to find a, a block of time to go in and I get listen to all the calls, write them all down, and then i got to find another block of time to return them all. Wow. So. Busy, busy, busy. So, so there is help out there for you, especially on this yeah. day is St. Faustina's Feast Day and, and experiencing God's mercy. And if you're not experiencing <clears throat> it and you need help, give Father Ed a call. Woohoo! <laughs> Thanks uh, a lot, Richard. We <laughs> <laughs> need to be more busy. No, we're, we're happy. I'm joking. We're happy to help whatever way we can. Some things we may have to wait, though, because... The calendar gets full. There's only one of me. <laughs> That's correct. So, folks, we're going to take a quick uh, break, and we're going to come back because I really want to get on, on on this topic. Because if you know anything about me, you know I love uh, all things uh, regarding the Holy Rosary. And uh, today, or for the rest of the show, we're going to talk all about the Holy Rosary, Our Lady Victory, and uh, and the month. But God bless you. We'll be back after this short break. Stay tuned for more Rise and Walk here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Now is the time for mercy, the second greatest story ever told. That's the name of the upcoming Fullness of Truth Conference in Canton, Texas. Taking place on Saturday, October 17th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., the conference will focus on the story of St. Faustina and the Divine Mercy image and will feature guest speakers Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler, Susan Convoy from EWTN, and Dr. Luke Arredondo. You can buy your tickets online at fullnessoftruth.org. Pray. The story of Patrick Payton is coming to theaters nationwide this Friday. The film tells the inspiring true story of a poor Irish immigrant who set sail for America in 1928 with dreams of becoming a millionaire. But with the help of the most iconic celebrities of Hollywood, ends up spending his life championing the message, the family that prays together stays together. The miraculous true story of venerable Patrick Payton, his heroic life of perseverance and prayer in theaters nationwide this Friday. For more information, praythefilm.com. You're listening to Rise and Walk with my dad and mom, Richard and Julie Reyna. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. We are so thankful to our GRN family members for all they do to keep all the Guadalupe Radio Network stations on the air. Hi, this is Len Oswald, president of the GRN, and I would like to introduce you to two more GRN family members, Martine and Armando. Martine Arismendi joined the GRN on July 20th, 2012, and is the general manager for KJON 850 AM in Dallas. Martine and his wife Josefina have two daughters and one son. Martine loves hanging out with his kids at their soccer games and enjoys fishing. Armando Sanchez is the general manager of our West Texas operations. He joined the GRN on August 10, 2020. 
Armando and his wife Anna live in Midland, Texas, and have one daughter, one son, and three grandchildren. He is a member of the Diocese of San Angelo Diaconate Formation Program and will be ordained in May 2022. This has been your GRN Family Minute. We are your Catholic Radio, radio for your soul. Now, back to Rise and Walk with Richard and Julie. And today it's Richard and Father Ed. All right, Father Ed, I'm glad we are on right now. Um, like I said, shifting gears just a little bit, and I want to say hi to Hope Sanchez Garza, who put a, tech, a message on our Facebook page. There's so much to learn about our faith. And there is so much to oh, learn. Yeah. And I love it. And, and the reason <laughs> I mentioned that... I'm 82 and I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I mentioned Adam Bly is, you know, I mistakenly understood, I, was, I, was, I didn't get it. Uh, when I thought, I, no, I just need to learn the catechism. Let me read the whole catechism, learn, learn everything about the catechism, learn what our faith teaches, and then I'll be good. Until somebody introduced me to Adam Bly and said, he's some guy coming to speak uh, with a conference in town. I'm like, who's this guy? And I started learning and reading about him and interviewed him. And and somebody had told me that, you know, you need to learn how the enemy fights. And like, no, 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 I don't need to know that. Well, when I got a taste of that, I'm like, oh. I, I, I don't know how to term it, but basically it, it was like, I needed to learn how to how to weatherproof my home. Um, I didn't know I had to close the windows whenever it's cold outside, and I wanted to keep it hot inside. Or or clo- or if I want to keep it cool, why do I need to close the windows if it's hot outside? No, I need to learn how to keep the demons out, keep the devil out, keep all the evil out. When you learn how how the other world fights, and it's- interesting you say that because on the very first program I did in this new series, we'll mention a little bit about that later, but. Um, the opening on the opening talk, I said, you, we're in spiritual warfare. Now, any soldier in warfare needs to know three things. Number one, who is your enemy? Number two, what weapons do your enemy have? Number three, what weapons do you have to fight the enemy? <laughs> so that's what we're doing on the program. I mean, that's what, but you know, we're already into twelve programs already, and we're just just still revealing what his weapons are. We wow. haven't even gotten, you know, to the wow. other parts yet. So <clears throat> there's a lot, you know, still to come. But I, I think that you're right. You have to know how to deal with all of that and how to keep it out. Well, actually... And th- that leads us right into what, <laughs> It does. In fact, we're going to talk about this, my, what my favorite weapon. Uh, but Hope actually asks, how can you protect yourself from evil, especially people that work with you, that you feel something about them? Wow. Yeah, that can often happen. A couple of things can help there. Um if you can get a hold of some X or sized blessed salt, uh-huh. and if you do that, I could do that for him. Most priests don't know, don't have the word to do that, but we do. So just sprinkle it a little bit around and ask you know, the Lord to, and the angels to keep those other demons at bay. Amen. That will help. Uh, of course, prayer is your biggest fort, your thing, and your best weapon of all. Well, first of all, St. Paul tells us that the the only offensive weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what it is, right? It's the of Scripture. Course. So it's the Scripture. When Jesus fought the demon in the desert right after his baptism, he was tempted three times, and every time he quoted Scripture, and the demon finally left, because he can't handle truth, because <laughs> he's a liar. A lie can never stand in the face of real truth. And so he used the Word of God, which is a living Word, so when you speak the word of God, Jesus is actually there saying it. Amen. Because it's a living word. And so that, and the second most powerful weapon right behind that 
is what you and I are both holding in our hands, which is our rosaries. Amen. And that is in, if you do the rosary on a regular basis, more than once a day if you have time. Yes. You do at least once, but you do the best you can and do it, not just rattle it off, just mean it from your heart and meditate on the mystery of self. You will be so protected. It's like Mary putting her mantle around you, which I want to share about just for a second. <clears throat> the mantle of Mary is the most powerful thing that you can imagine. Uh, Father um, Francesco Bamante, who is now the head exorcist of Roman and the head, oh, of, wow. the, I didn't know that. Oh. head of the International Association of Exorcists after Father Amorth died, you know, now he's taken over. And in talking to him once, he told the story about a man who had gone to Latin America on a business trip. Very good Catholic man, good family man um, from Italy. And as he was waiting for his plane to come home after his business was over, he was going through the duty-free shops and just looking around, just killing time, basically. And he went into this one shop where a lady said to him, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Italy. And she said, oh, you probably don't, I know you. it's a great place for wines and all that, but we have something very special here, liqueur, that is from a fruit grown only in this area. And it's wonderful. And she said, duty-free, I mean, you want to buy a bottle and take it home, which he did. Got it home, put it on a shelf, and forgot about it. What a year later, he happened to notice this. Oh my gosh, I never even take a look at that. So he pulled it down, took one drink, and was instantly and totally possessed by the demon. Totally possessed. Because it was cursed and she was a witch. Oh. Like many of our botanicas here in San Antonio gotcha. are run by witches, okay? And everything in there is cursed. Bottom line is um, they started to do exorcism with him. It took them a long time. So they finally came to the final part where they actually do the full exorcism. And part of the exorcism rite is the litany of the saints. So they went through the litany of the saints and then at, toward the end they put in some new saints. So they were putting in Mother Teresa, St. John Paul II, Padre Pio, St. Gemma Golgani, and I forget there might, might have been right. one other. And as these saints were obviously coming, because the demons were seeing them, and they were mocking them. Oh, here comes the one all in white, which would be John Paul, or here comes the one all in black, which is Gemma <laughs> Golgani, or the, well, here comes the Albanian, you know. Which, and they were mocking these saints. And all of a sudden, the demons started screaming. No, no, get away from me, get away from me, get her veil, her veil, it's burning me. Gone. He was gone, and the guy was instantly delivered. They didn't have to do anything more. He was instantly, totally back to his normal, holy self. <laughs> That's a true story. Father Belmonte told me that himself. And it's you know one of those things where you um, have to understand that this is, this, God gives us these weapons for a reason. These are for real things, you know. So, Mary, by the way, there is a, a book out there you can get, uh, which you can do a consecration to Mary's mantle. It's mm. beautiful. And the, but I prayers, need to look that up. Prayers are gorgeous. Uh, it was uh, put together by um, Christine Watkins, who is... Uh, oh, I've heard the name. Yeah, she's yeah. from uh, the, the website um, Queen of Peace Media. Gotcha. And the offshoot of that, which is um, uh, Countdown to the Kingdom, uh, which is you're telling us about the things coming, or at least as I understand it. But she put this book together. I, I don't know if she wrote the prayers. I don't think so, because these are, I mean, these are, whoever wrote those <laughs> prayers, oh, my God, are they beautiful? They're just short meditations for each day on the virtues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Unbelievable. It's a 46-day retreat that you do wow. for yourself. Wow. Based on the mantle of Our Lady Guadalupe, which has all those stars on it. Mm -hmm. So in Mexico, there's a custom that they make one of those mantles, but no stars on it. And then they go to each other's house, out if it's once a week or once a day, whatever, and they study 
the one story, you know, and, and pray about it, whatever the virtue is for that day. And then at the end of the evening when they've, then they do the rosary, you know, and the end of the evening, someone has made one star and they throw it back onto the, onto the mantle until all 46, because there's 46 stars on the oh, mantle. Oh, I didn't realize that either. Oh, wow. On the mantle of Mary. And the stars that are on there, by the way, are the exact ones that were in the sky the night yes, she appeared. Yes, yes, yes. The day she appeared, I mean. So at any rate, those are on there. So that's, that's what they do until all 46 are completed. But it's beautiful. And the, the, the meditations are. Yeah. Whoever wrote them was yeah. really Well, incredible. in story after story after story, whether yeah. I read it, I hear about it without a lie, or Jesse Romero, a buddy of mine that, that you know, shares all his, his, his experiences. Again, it's the same thing like you just finished saying. During exorcisms, they'd be praying a rosary, and here comes Our Lady, here comes Mary, and that's the last thing that they the, the image shrieks, and, you know, and they exactly. know this because they interview the person right afterwards who was just possessed, and that person can re- can share. I, I I saw as Mary was coming. That's what it. That's what happened right before the demon flew uh, fled yeah. because they couldn't stand being around her mm-hmm. and uh, praying the rosary. And I love challenging my buddies that are out there because the guys don't get it with the rosary. They think it's just for the ladies out there. I'm like, no, dude. You remember what it, it says in the Book of Genesis? Yeah. You will lie and wait for her heel. That's right. She crushes the head of the serpent. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so trying to get uh, the men out there to be on board with praying the rosary, praying it multiple times a day, praying all the sets of the mysteries. Don't just sit there and, and go through the vain repetition. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about praying. I was so proud. I, when I was home on vacation this summer, um, my brother and sister-in-law did something that they would do privately, but now they're doing it as a family, just the two of them. But my brother leads a rosary oh, wow. every day. And then right after that, the Divine Chaplet Mercy, and he leads it as head of the family. I was, I, I was bursting, you know, with, with pride, <laughs> you know, while she's doing that, you know, because <laughs> most men don't do that, you know. And my brother was always the one who was kind of shy about religion. I mean, he was already very holy and very good Catholic, but I mean, now he's just taking the lead, you know. As God. <laughs> I love that. Um, so it's funny, I just finished seeing Hope's uh, comment. She said that she spreads holy water in her office. Yeah. And this fellow coker won't come into our office. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> the only problem with the holy water is it evaporates, whereas the salt doesn't. Ah, it has the same effect. Exactly. Because ah. when we exercise the holy water, we put some of the exercise salt in the holy water. So. Wow, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, right. formerly known as Our Lady of Victory, or the, and the Feast of the Holy Rosary. Tell us about uh, what you know of this great feast. Well, there was a... Uh, a major problem in the middle of Europe, toward the end of the 15th century and throughout the early parts of the 16th century, 1500s, 1400s, wherein the, the uh, Ottomans, which are the uh, some of the are depends on what country they're from, but they're all Islamic. Okay, and they have a plan to overtake Europe. They're going to come in across the Rock of Gibraltar, come in from Spain, which they did, but they didn't didn't last. They got kicked out. And then they were going to come in around the other side through the Mediterranean. And they would have pincered off all of Europe and everyone in Europe eventually after that would have been Muslim. That was the plan. Uh-huh. Now, but it also had a secondary effect. And the effect was that it was killing commerce uh, because they were, the ships were all over the, and they were killing the commerce. And that's how Italy made its money, you know, getting rid you know, their art and all that stuff and, and commerce. So the cities of Venice and other parts of the, of the kingdom uh, of Italy um, and those were anxious about this. So they went to Pope St. Pius V and they asked him 
to do something about all this. So you have the Papal States, but you also have all these other parts of Italy, all these city-states, Venice and Milan, mm-hmm. all these. So he got together an army, or actually, when I say an army, it was actually a navy. Mm-hmm. They got together all of these uh, troops and, and their boats to come against the Ottomans, because they were going to come. Now, the Ottomans had a much larger I mean, fleet. crazy larger. Fleet. And many, many, many more men than the Christians had. So it came down to a final battle, which was the Battle of Lepanto. It, the name has changed. Uh, it was originally the Gulf of Corinth. Oh, wow, okay. It was part of, part of, know that. Part of Greece. And so they, St. Pius V, by the way, the Pope, he's the one who finalized the Mass and all that, so which now we call the Extraordinary Form, but in okay. those days it was the Ordinary Form for years, centuries. He's the one who put all that together. Great, great Pope. He's, he was about four foot five because I seen his body in the, in the, in the, in the, in the glass <laughs> casket there in, in St. Mary, Ma- Mary Major in, in Italy. And he, I mean, really short. You know. <laughs> but I think people were much short in those days than we are now. But anyway, he organized this, this thing. In the morning of um, October the 7th, 1571, the battle began. But the wind and the, where, uh, the nature was on the side of the Turks. The Ottomans. Oh, wow. Wind's boats were there. The other ships were being held. But all through the night before that, now Pius V was a Dominican. Ah, Dominicanus. Which means he wore white, as Dominicans do to this day. And that's why the Pope still wear white, because he introduced that. Oh. He wore white. I didn't know that. That's awesome. And he just put the little white zucchero on his head, you know. But other than that, he was just like a Dominican. But, of course, St. Dominic, the Dominican, after who the Dominicans are named, was the one to whom Mary gave the devotion to the rosary. So what happened is um, Pius was praying the rosary all through that night himself. And the soldiers were all praying it. And the rhythm of the rosary totally unnerved the Islams, Islamic uh, forces. They just they didn't know what was going on. It was some kind of a magic chant or something. You know? <laughs> so the next day when they entered the, entered the battle, uh, even though there was significant loss of life on both sides. Um, and by the way, it was the last naval armada battle fought by using oars to propel the oh, boats. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> after they had sails and after the <laughs> motors, you know. But, um, <clears throat> and most of the rowers among the Islamics were Christians who had been captured and put into slavery. So the Christians were fighting their own people by rowing the boats, you know. Anyway, the body, at the end of the line is the... Ottomans were totally defeated, and it wow. changed the history of the world because had they won, they would have gotten into all of Europe, and all of Europe would be Islamic today. Wow. You and I wouldn't Amazing. be even here. You know? yeah. <laughs> so all of that you know, came about as a result of this battle, and they attributed the victory because it was, every, the sides were so against them to Our Lady, the, from the preparation of the rosary. Now, we hate to think of Our Lady, you know, being for war. But in this particular case, it was necessary because if Europe was going to remain Christian, this war had to be won. And from which all the missionaries from the world started going forth, including to America and everywhere else, you know, from, from the Christians in Europe. So they needed that. So we, we honor the victory of, and Mary's power in that rather than killing people. We don't into that. Amen. But, so, at any rate, as soon as that happed, then Pope... Pius V made 
October the 7th, the Feast of Our Lady of Victory. Ah. And um, Our Lady of Victory is um, the first title. It was only a year later that the next pope that came after him changed the title from Our Lady of Victory to Our Lady of the Rosary, or gotcha. to our, the Feast of the Holy Rosary. And, and moved it to the first Sunday, I think? Yes. Uh, okay. But then a later pope put it Brought back back onto the seventh. Because they wanted yeah, Pius X was the one exactly, Saint Pius X, because they wanted the Sundays to remain as Sunday to be the one day that nothing supplants except maybe Christmas. Easter is always on Sunday anyway, but uh, so it supplants you know, if Christmas comes on Sunday we celebrate the Christmas. So the I mean, power it has to be a, yeah. The power of the rosary. Yeah. You know, uh, Father Donald Calloway has a book called Champions of the Rosary mm-hmm. uh, that goes through so many different uh, uh, people's lives and how the rosary changed them. And, uh, the one that keeps popping in my head is Blessed Bartolongo, who used to be a satanic priest. Yes. Satanic priest. And because uh, challenged somebody, I think somebody challenged him to pray a rosary, one rosary, it's like, yeah, whatever. Boom. Yeah, change him immediately. That's all it took. Instantly. Yeah. So carry this weapon with you. At all times, you know, uh, Troops of St. George uh, is, is a group for, a scouting group for, for dads and sons, and they require you to carry two things with you, a little pocket knife and a little knife to have with you all the time to do things, and your rosary. You mm-hmm. always have to carry it with you, and it's such a good habit to, to have. I went to grammar school, and the 7th and 8th grade were taught by Christian brothers, you know, the brothers of the Christian school, St. John LaSalle's group. And one of the brothers said to us once, we'll always know that you are our brother's boy, if you have a rosary in your pocket. I've never had it out of my pocket since uh, uh, that day. <laughs> it's true. And, and really quickly, is, the one you have right now with you is? You remember the last time Father Martin Scott was here, yeah. and we were sitting, I was sitting at this spot <laughs> over here where Julie usually sits, and he was sitting over here. And uh, he came to see me, not that day, but a week or two later, his friend brought him over to visit with me. And I asked him for, for to pray over me for a certain gift that I think I need in the mystery I'm doing. And he said, he <laughs> said, God says he'll give you that as soon as you're up to three hours of prayer a day. <laughs> so now I'm doing five rosaries a day. Okay, <laughs> so, praise God for that. <laughs> in the midst of this crazy schedule. But you know, it when you do that, you have time left over. Amen. It's amazing. It re- or it prioritizes with. your time. I love that. You know, you're not going to be able to be with us in the after show because I know you got to go because you got an appointment at two o'clock. But uh, I'm going to share a little bit about the rosary and how it's affected me. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I want everybody to tune in, especially those guys out there that don't quite get it with the rosary. Uh, hopefully, the, uh, I'm asking for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to plant those seeds that you can get it with the rosary. Lead your wife, lead your family mm-hmm. in the rosary every single day. Amen. And apart from praying it with your family, maybe you can pray the other sets of mysteries on your own and inspire them to do the same. But with what you we got time, coming at us... You're riding in the car from home to work, yes. to work to home. You know, you can get two in right there. You know? Right, right. There's always time. I right. get five in a day and I my office is filled all day long. <laughs> But you just do it when you can do it. I mean, while I'm shaving in the morning and cleaning up and getting ready, I'm saying the rosary. I don't have a rosary in my hand, but I'm remembering my pictures. And and then just go on from there the rest of the day. And I just go right down the direction of of the mysteries. And then... By the fifth one, you're back in the first one you started again. So I'm sorry, I know when I'm going to number five, I'm back to the four I started from. So. <laughs> well, before you get going, uh, Father, would you uh, impart a blessing upon us and all our listeners and viewers on Facebook? Amen. And for the power of that rosary in your life and the power of Our Lady to destroy the powers of Satan, which she is bent on doing, so ask her for help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gifts that you have given us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, your Son's passion and death for us. And our Holy Mother Mary, who was chosen by you to be the 
scourge of demons. We thank you for all of those graces. We ask you to pour out your blessing and grace upon us as we um, continue this day and every day. And uh, we ask now in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of his precious blood, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Quickly before we end. Oh, yes, please. Um, uh, I mentioned a couple times in the show, we have a new television program on, I have it here, it's what we're doing here in San Antonio, and the entire program, which is called Journey from Darkness to Light, oh, wow. is all about spiritual warfare. Everything you want to know about demons, everything you want to know about how they operate, you're going to pick up on this show eventually, if you listen. We've already done, there's 10 shows already up and on the air. Um, if you're living here in San Antonio and you have a Spectrum Cable, we're on Spectrum Cable Channel 15, Mondays at 7.30 p.m., Wednesdays at 11.30 a.m. The same show both times, and then the second week, exactly the same show again. So every two weeks the show changes. Um, if you have Roku or Amazon Fire Stick, you can get it, and you can see all the programs anytime you want them. Simply go to search and type in Catholic Space TV Space SA. So Catholic Television Center is a Catholic Space TV Space SA. And the programs will come right up pretty quick. And they're a big blue banner. You'll see it through darkness. And you see a picture of St. Michael coming with this mm, driving Satan into hell. Yeah, it. and it's a beautiful opening. So, All right, excellent. Well, thank you, Father. Again, I know that you'll be in our prayers. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, they can call the parish. And they can press option three, leave you a message. Uh, looking forward to catching you next time. But until then, may all of us continue to rise and walk. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you. Give my love to Jerry and your kids, okay? All right. God Bye. bless you, Father. Thank you so much. Again, folks, don't go anywhere. We're going to keep it going in the after show. And I uh, can't wait for you to get just a little Thanks bit more. Thanks for listening to Rise and Walk with Richard and Julie Reyna. To listen or watch again, go to iTunes or visit the Guadalupe Radio Network Facebook page. Have a question or comment? Email us at riseandwalk at grnonline.com. And make sure to join us next week for another episode of Rise and Walk. St. Thomas More's Knights of Columbus Council 7386 will be having their annual barbecue plate sale on October 24th at Carolyn Hall. The cost is $10 per plate and curbside pickup only. They'll be serving from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on October 24th. For tickets, call Noah at 210-459-9270. Or if you know any St. Thomas More Knights of Columbus Knights, you can get your tickets from them as well. The Guadalupe Radio Network is grateful for the financial support of Dr. David Seguin and Dental Care of San Antonio, who help make Catholic Radio possible. Dental Care of San Antonio is a general and family practice and is committed to making your trips to the dentist enjoyable and ensuring your smile is the first thing you want people to see. You can reach Deacon David Seguin and Associates at 496-2533 for an appointment to find out more about state-of-the-art dentistry in San Antonio. 496-2533. 
Catholic radio played a huge part in my life in helping me understand the faith. It was like one of the biggest things, and I still listen all the time. I have the bumper sticker on my viola case. People see it, and oh, Catholic radio. It's the best thing ever. It changed my life. Catholic radio is amazing. Please support Catholic radio. It's just an amazing resource. So much you can learn there. So much inspiration to actually live out your faith. It's just incredible. I love Catholic radio. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Thanks for listening to KJMA 89.7 Floresville, San Antonio. On the Guadalupe Radio Network in South Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also streaming on grnonline.com and on your smartphone.